they posed the question, why do we worship? Why do we sing and worship when we come to church like this together? And uh, I don't remember the exact words that he said, but the, the, the basic point he was making was, it gets us all saying the same thing together. When we worship, when we sing, when you see words on the screen and you try your best to sing those or hum them or think them or get it into your spirit, and we're all doing that together, if, if we are all on the same page, if we are all saying the same thing, thinking the same thing, that brings an atmosphere of unity. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Like on the day of Pentecost, they were all with one accord. That means one mind. They all had, they all thought the same thing. That's why we do it. I'm, I, I love my wife and I'm thank, I thank God all the time for her gifts and her talents and, and the anointing that he's placed on her life. Uh, but that's just one part of the overall body of Christ. And I don't ever, and I, I wouldn't want anyone in any instance to feel like I don't go to church for the preaching. I don't go to church for the fellowship. I don't go to church to pray. I go because I need the music. I need, I need to witness people worshiping. I need to feel what I feel when other people are worshiping. I made a statement a few weeks ago in Sela uh, when I when I was speaking there on a Thursday night, and um, I believe it was the Lord that inspired me to say it because I didn't see it coming. But I think what He said was, "We as in our humanity, we would rather go to a concert than a lecture." I'm just saying, not even we're talking religious. We're just anywhere, you know. Go to, a, go to a concert hall and go to a lecture hall and see which one has more people in it, regardless of genre of music or regardless of the topic of who the speaker is. You get to know people like music, people like what they feel when they hear music. They like the way that it makes them feel. They like the joy that it brings to other people. And they think, well, that's just great. Let's live there. You don't, you cannot live there. You cannot live there. You, you, you go through the, the history of great musicians, great singers, talented, gifted artists, and you see they are some of the most tormented people on earth that have ever lived because they tried to live in a place they weren't intended to live. They, they tapped in a little bit to a talent to a gift and said, wow, I, I can do this and I can do it better than most people. And, and furthermore, I like being around other people that are good like this. And they, they, they pursue, they make that their pursuit and they find nothing but torment and trouble. How many, I, I could think of probably 10 easy, just off the top of my head, great singers, musicians that died of drug overdoses because nothing in the world could satisfy their soul in the place they were looking to live. After the success, after the millions of dollars hit their bank account, some of us think, man, I, that's all I need and then I'm good. I'll just go cruise for the rest of my life. Uh-uh. I said it earlier, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. I want to I take you through some scriptures today. I'm going to try to do this quickly, but um, I feel the Lord talking about King Saul and some of the things that he went through. Uh, in, in the early parts of the book of 1 Samuel, Samuel was the prophet that God raised up. You know, Hannah, his mother, was barren. She said, I need a child. Lord, you give me a child. I'll give him back to you. The Lord did that. It was Samuel. He became the prophet. 
and throughout his life, he was the prophet. He spoke to the children of Israel on God's behalf. And then it says he grew old, he had sons, and those sons didn't follow after his ways. And so the people said, we want a king. We don't want to be led by a prophet. We, we, a, we want to have a king that leads us like other nations. And Samuel, with the Lord's wisdom, says, you, you're saying that now, but I really don't know if you know what a king is going to do to you. Uh, I, I think if you had one, you would, you would realize otherwise. You, you are living in the best possible scenario right now because God, you have a direct connection to the voice of God for everything you need in your life. You really want to forsake that. Pray that God raises... I know my, if my sons are not godly, pray that God raises up another godly prophet or makes them godly. Do whatever. Don't just abandon God's call and God's mode, His method, because you, you see something that looks nice that other, somebody else has, that other countries have. They say, we hear all that, Samuel, but you know what? We just, we want a king. We want a king that's going to fight our battles for us. And we want to, there's all these other nations that are mad at us. They don't like the way we're going and what God's doing. If we had a king, he would just, he would be able to go to battle and fight and we'd win and we don't have to worry about that. Samuel says, you're right. The king will fight the battles, but you know what he's going to do? He's going to get your sons to do it. Your nephews. Your brothers, your fathers, the king will come in and make them his soldiers. And your daughters, your sisters, your mothers, he's going to put them to work in his courts. You will all be at the service of this king. That was, that was the Lord trying to impart wisdom to them and say, I know what you think you want, but you don't know really what you want. They, they heard that and said, I know, I know, but yeah, just give us a king. So the Lord inst institutes Saul and as the first king over Israel. I, I want to read you just what I read here, what I, what I wrote here. When the people told Samuel they wanted a king instead of a prophet to rule them, they weren't thinking about the fact that that king would be susceptible to all the human nature elements that a human is susceptible to. They, they went from being led of God to being led by man. Samuel was a man, but he was a prophet of God, and the only thing he did was what God told him to do. And if God didn't tell him to do anything, he didn't do anything. That's how you get led by God. But they, they weren't thinking about the fact that if you give us a man, we're going to get all the humanity that comes along with a man, yeah. including strongholds developing in a human's mind. That's how the human mind works. It's, it's these things called strongholds. I just want to show you a little bit about this through the life of Samuel. Uh, the, sorry, through the life of Saul. If you will turn with me to 1 Samuel. Chapter 10, verse 9. Brother Timothy, thank you for helping navigate these technical issues that we're having. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9. And it was so that when he turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. This is talking about Saul. God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. Verse 11. And everybody say, God chose Saul. He said, he told Samuel, don't worry, they're not uh, disrespect dishonoring you. They're not mad at you. It's me that they're rejecting. They don't want me. But I'm going to give them what they want because they are my people. And I'm going to let them live with the results of getting what they want because they're my people. So he chose Saul. Samuel anointed Saul, verse 11, and it came to pass when all that knew him before time 
saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Who did? Saul did. Then the people said to one, one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Jump ahead, if you would, to chapter 13, verse 8. We're talking about Saul, the first king, and what a, what a human is susceptible to. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 8. Talking about Saul again, he tarried seven days according to the time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered. Let me, let me give you a little bit of insight, because I want to try to get through this as quick as I can today. I don't want to spend all the time reading, but I want you to see what's happening. In chapter 15 is the more well-known portion where Saul smites the Amalekites and the word the the instruction was to totally destroy all the Amalekites and Saul does all except it says he spares the best and the king he spares the best sheep spares the best of those flocks and he spares the king that's obviously not obeying the command of God that's in chapter 15 we're reading in chapter 13 so this is uh, the start of something that Saul would continue to do. Everybody say it's a test. Yeah. The Lord is testing Saul to see what kind of leader he will be. First Samuel, we're 13, verse 9. Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering, the burnt offering. Behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. Verse 11, and Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, well, he didn't tell him what he did. He tells him why he did it. Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed Last week, I think it was either Sunday or Tuesday, those days get mixed up, but we talked about according to the time of life. Remember that? The appointed time of life. That was Abraham and Sarah. Saul had an appointed time. Samuel had told him, seven days and I'll be there. Seven days are coming and going and Saul says, he's not here. I'll do it. When we look at a natural calendar and try to spiritualize it, we get in trouble. Oh, it's been three years since the Lord told me he was going to do this and take me there and, offer, and, and he was going to work these things. And he hasn't done it yet. I wonder what his holdup is. I wonder why God is not working on my behalf the way he said he would. What's the holdup? I wonder how many times that's our attitude towards God, whether we would express it or not. What is the holdup? Am I not good enough? Am I in the wrong situation? Did I make a wrong turn somewhere? How come you're not working as the Lord in my life? And wouldn't you know it, as soon as Saul takes that action, offers those sacrifices, here comes Samuel. That's a little conspicuous, right? Ah. Almost like he was hiding behind the tree or something, waiting to see. Or on the other hill, or whatever. But every, we said it, it's a test. The Lord will test you. He will test us almost all the time in every area of our life. It's a test. So, Saul says again, verse 11, Because I saw the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not at the days appointed, that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mich Michmash, verse 12, Therefore I said, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal. 
and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. He's looking at the surroundings and saying, we got to get this sacrifice offered so the Lord can work the way he's supposed to work. Because if we don't, that angry group of Philistines is going to come right down here and destroy us. Even after we just won this battle, they're right there waiting for us, and the Lord's not going to protect us if we don't offer this sacrifice. That's an interesting, to me, that's an element that we don't see when we see almost an identical encounter in chapter 15 with the Amalekites. They've utterly destroyed them. They've won the victory. But here in this one, Saul is saying, we might die. The Lord might not protect us. The Lord might not look out for us. We got to act. I have to say this. You cannot preempt the Holy Ghost. You can't. You can get yourself in trouble and then say, if I get myself in enough trouble, the Holy Ghost is going to have to come rescue me. Well, that's a dangerous place to live, my friend. But you cannot preempt him in such a way that says, I know the Lord promised me this. So I'm just going to start this process that will result in me getting that. Before he says go. That's what I mean by preempting. You can't do it. Embedded in the will of God is the timing. It's just as important, just as critical as all the other elements of the will of God. The timing. The Lord might have told you you are eventually going to get to be a missionary to Hawaii. I don't think he's told anybody that. But he might have told you that. And you think, I received that. Amen. When can I go? And the Lord is thinking, I've got an appointed time. It's not today. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week or next year. But I've got an appointed time. And we think, but I can hear those waves. I can feel that sun. Woo! I can feel the sand between my toes right now just thinking about it. I am ready to go, Lord. I think I'll just start looking for plane tickets. How about that? In case you tell me tomorrow I don't want to miss a good deal. I'm going to shop a little bit. I'm going to see what kind of houses they've got there. What's the market like? I'm just saying you cannot preempt the Holy Ghost. You can shop all you want. You can look all you want. I, I would caution against it because you're opening your mind up to some stuff that you wouldn't otherwise. Everybody with me? So Saul says, Samuel's not here yet. Let's just go ahead and pick out which sheep. That way when he gets here, it'll be ready. Whose job is that? That's Samuel's. That's the prophet's job, right? Uh, yeah, but <coughs> the, the clock is going, and, the, and the people are kind of getting bored and ready to move on. And that's what he said. They're getting scattered. So we're, we're just going to go ahead and find, I'm sure he's going to pick that sheep. I mean, everybody, look at that one. That's the one. Let's just go ahead and get it ready, prepare. Somebody just tie that one up. I don't know. Where is the first step in, in him disobeying the Lord? If you think about it from that, is that wrong? Just tying that one up? La, just leave it there. I, I just want him to know that I took this step. And it's here and it's ready. 30 minutes goes by. Well, you know, that one's not going to stay tied up that much longer. We probably uh, got to do the next step in the process. Let's go ahead and separate them out from the rest of the herd. All right, he's here. 
He's still not here yet. People are getting bored. They want to see a sacrifice. Uh, i tell you why. Why don't you go ahead and build an altar right here? Whose job is that? You get the picture. Verse 13, chapter 13, verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. The Lord would have. Those have to be the most frightening words that Saul could hear. The Lord would have done this with you established your kingdom forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Go down to chapter 15, verse 3. I want to read this just quickly. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy. We are, I talked about this, but I want you to see it in the scripture. Utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, all that they have. Verse 8. He took Agag, Saul did, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and utterly destroyed them. Did not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that's what they destroyed. Verse 22. I skipped over the part of the encounter with Samuel. Now we're reading this. Samuel says, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? This is where I go back to the picture we just drew in chapter 13. Go ahead and just pick out the lamb. We're getting the sacrifice ready because I know the Lord loves sacrifices so much. Go ahead and separate him from the herd. We'll go ahead and start building the altar because I know we're just doing what pleases the Lord. This is what he wants us to do. He's, he's expecting a sacrifice, so we're going to do it. Samuel knows the Lord wants obedience. He would much, much, much rather you obey a command from him than for you to do what you think you can do that he might like. I wish I would have heard that when I was about 13, 14, 15 years old. I'm putting that back in the category of things I wish I knew when I was younger. Because I, <laughs> oh, I could have saved myself a lot of embarrassment. I, 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 I just want to do something for God. I just want to do what I know he likes. Okay, obey. That's what he likes. Get yourself in the seat of obedience and don't move until he tells you to. Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams verse 23 for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft i know we say that universally quite a bit in and around the church but i want you to look at it individually towards saul because that's who it was directed to in this passage saul the rebellion in your heart that caused you to do this is like witchcraft the Lord sees those as one and the same. I just imagine the wind completely going out of Saul's sail at that time. The Lord just said, I might as well be doing witchcraft. 
I was trying to do the thing I know he likes. Offering sacrifices. Saving the best of their crop. Saving the best of their flocks. Saving the king for the, all that comes next. I was trying to do what I know the Lord likes. No, you weren't. Because you know what the Lord told you was utterly destroy all of it. So if you really wanted to do what you know the Lord likes, you would have obeyed him. But, okay, you, you wanted to get a little bit of credit. You wanted to get a little bit of satisfaction. You wanted to see and be seen with the spoils of victory. I don't have the time to go into it, but there's the word called motive right there. Your motive caused you to do this. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also, also rejected thee from king. Jump down to verse 16, verse 13. I'm getting somewhere. I'm trying to hurry. Samuel goes to find David, anoints David as king. Verse 14, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Verse 23, it came to pass, sorry, Brother Timothy, I know I'm putting you through it. God bless your fingers today. <laughs> Verse 23, it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played it with his hand and so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. i got to pause right here for just a second and say this. Why would God send an evil spirit to trouble a man? That's the way that I interpret it when I see the King James Version of an evil spirit from God. But I guarantee you the evil spirit was not sitting there right there next to the throne of God waiting for his orders from God. Does anybody really think that's how it happens? God's got good ones on this side and bad ones on that side and say, oh, he needs an evil spirit. You get over there. Oh, he needs a good spirit. You get over there. No. But we see it, the, the, the very next verse in the, how it transpires. The Lord anoints David as king and immediately an evil spirit is sent and troubles Saul. Saul is, by earthly standards, still the king here. But God knows, uh-uh. I have one. He actually read it back in chapter 13, didn't we? The Lord has sought a man after his own heart, and he found him, and it's David. It's not you. But now we see, here's the reason why I draw that connection, that it's not just the Lord saying, all right, evil one. No, because it torments Saul as long as David is not playing. David comes in, that his servants, Saul's servants say, King, you need something from somebody. You need help. I think we can get some help for you. Bring David in here. Let him play the harp skillfully before the Lord, and that will soothe your spirit. He plays it, and David sits, or Saul sits, and the evil spirit departs. Where did it go? Back to the Lord? No. The covering, everybody say covering. The covering that was imparted from the worship of David onto the spirit of Saul protected him from the evil spirit. But when David stopped, got up, and left, the covering got up and left, and the evil spirit came back and tormented Saul. I'm talking about strongholds in the mind. I don't know if anybody caught that, but this is the mind of Saul. All right, I got to get going. I'm sorry, I got more I got to cover. Chapter 18, verse 7. Mm. After David kills Goliath, they're coming back into town. 
1 Samuel 18, 7. The women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands after the one victory where David killed Goliath. There is a term for that, a literary term for that. It's called hyperbole. He killed one giant. But they're singing a song about how Saul's killed, killed thousands and David's kid killed tens of thousands. Verse 8, Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands. And to me have they ascribed but thousands. What can he have more but the kingdom? Verse 9, and Saul eyed David from that day forward. Eyed him from that day forward. His eye was turned against him from that day forward. Because I know, now everybody else knows, that David is greater than Saul. It's just a matter of time now before they get on his case, on his side, in his camp. Verse 10, it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house and David played with his hand. Okay, oh, go back. The evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. You think that was good prophecy? Probably not. David played with his hand as at other times and there was a javelin in Saul's hand and Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will smite David. His eye was turned against David. I will smite him. No longer do we see the evil spirit leaving when David plays. Now we see the evil spirit taking control of the actions of Saul. inspiration from an evil spirit says, what do you got there in your hand? Oh, it's a javelin. <laughs> Take him out. Inspiration from an evil spirit. Saul cast the javelin. He said, I will smite David. David avoided out of his presence twice. I'm almost done. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 7. There's a lot we're skipping over here, but essentially David is still on the run from Saul where we pick up and read here. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 7. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch over. Actually, I'm going to verse 6. Brother Timothy, if you can follow me, you can try, but I'm going to read this from a different translation. I've only got about 10 more verses or less, all right? I know I feel some of you getting antsy. <laughs> One day, Saul was in Gibeah, sitting under a tamarisk tree on a hill with a spear in his hand, and all of his officers were standing around him he was told that David and his men had been located, and his, he said to his officers, Listen, this is verse 7, Men of Benjamin, do you think that David will give fields and vineyards to all of you and make you officers in his army? Verse 8, Is that why you are plotting against me? They were not plotting against him. This is in Saul's mind. I just know you are on David's side. Newsflash, they all have swords and you sleep next to them. If they wanted to end you, they would end you. But it's in his mind, he's convinced they're plotting against him. He says... Not one of you told me that my own son 
had made an alliance with David. No one is concerned about me or tells me that David, one of my own men, is right now looking for a chance to kill me and that my son has encouraged him. False again. David is not looking for Saul to try and kill him. I don't have the time, but you know it's in there. Twice at least, David goes up, could easily slay him, and instead cuts off a piece of his robe, shows it to him later and says, if I wanted you dead, you'd be dead. It's in your mind, Saul. He says one in there. I, I like the way that translation puts it. He says, nobody cares about me. This is the same guy that decided to offer the sacrifice in place of Samuel, just years removed. Years further down the road where this torment has allowed and taken its place and its course in his mind to the point he I'm going to use this word. I want, I want you to hear it. He is paranoid. Saul is now paranoid. How did he get that way? An evil spirit from God. God did not make him paranoid. The evil spirit made him paranoid. God simply removed himself and put his covering on another man because Saul's actions proved God cannot cover that. And now he's paranoid. It's a stronghold in Saul's mind. Paranoia. Everybody is against me. They all want to kill me. They all want David to be their king. You get a little glimpse of it when they come back from that killing Goliath and, and Saul says, they're all worshiping David now. They all think David is the best. Just look in his mind and see that and then realize... I have to marry him, my daughter off to him. I have to give part of my kingdom to him. You want to talk about a messed up mind. That's what Saul has lived with from that point up till now. I'm, I'm trying to get done. All right. Not one of you has told me that my own son had an alliance with David. David's wanting to kill me. Verse 9, Doeg, this guy, this guy. I, I don't like this guy. Doeg was standing there with Saul's officers. He said, I saw David when he went to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, in Nob. Jump down to verse 11. Saul, King Saul sent for the priest Ahimelech, all his relatives who were also priests in Nob. They came to him. Saul said, Ahimelech, listen. Ahimelech says, I'm at your service. Saul says, why are you and David plotting against me? Why did you give him food and a sword and consult God for him? Now he's turned against me and he's waiting for a chance to kill me. Here, the, uh, I'm trying to hurry. I know I'm, I'm going way too long. I just need about five more minutes. I almost said two, but I think I need five. Ahimelech is a priest. He's a man of God. He knows the truth. And he also knows a mentally disturbed person when he sees one. Saul says, why did you give David ammunition to use against me? The priest says, verse 14, David is the most faithful officer you have. Reason. It's the voice of reason. David is your most, faith, most faithful officer. Furthermore, he's your son-in-law. He's the captain of your own bodyguards. Highly respected by everyone in your royal court. Yes, I consulted God for David, and it wasn't the first time. As for plotting against you, 
your majesty must not accuse me or anyone else in my family. I don't know anything about this matter. There has been zero plotting against you. You think Saul said, all right, thanks. We'll see you. Now we're good. Mm -mm. Sorry to say. Verse 16, the king says, Ahimelech, you and your relatives all must die. Then he said to the guards standing near him, kill the Lord's priests. They conspired with David and not, did not tell me that he had run away even though they knew it all along. But the guards refused to lift a hand towards the Lord's priest. They heard all this. They see all this. King, I love you. But what you're telling me to do is no longer right. I mean, it hasn't, we've been on the course for a while now, and I've been trying to go along with you because I'm your servant and I want to be loyal. But now you're telling me to take the life of a, a man of God for speaking truth to you. I can't do it. Verse 18, so Saul said to the guy that I don't like, Doeg, you kill them. Doeg killed them all. On that day, he killed 85 priests who were qualified to carry the ephod. Saul also had the other inhabitants of Nob, the city of priests, put to death. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, donkeys, sheep, they were all killed. I need you to see today how the stronghold in somebody's mind could cause them to act in ways that we could not fathom. Why could they do that? How could they act this way? They, don't they value human life? Don't they care about... No. They are under a stronghold in their mind that has no refrain. The enemy does not play fair. He's not interested in playing fair. You can stand with me. I'm coming to a close. For some of us, this might help explain some things we see going on even in the world today. When you, I'm not encouraging you to do this, but if you have looked at a news clip and seen a rocket fly into a residential building and wondered, how in the world could somebody do that? How could somebody order that? How could somebody pull the trigger? How could somebody drive? The enemy does not play fair. He takes strongholds in people's minds and uses them against the work of the Lord. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I just, I don't know. I, I want somebody to close their eyes. I, I, I'm asking you to close your eyes. I believe the Lord wanted to share this with us. He's got many reasons. I believe it. It's going to apply in many different situations in different ways. But once you understand, I can have strongholds in my mind. Another person could have strongholds in their mind. Now I need to know what do I do against it. What am I supposed to do? The weapons of your warfare are not carnal. You don't go up against them with guns or bombs. You don't go against, you come to them like David said, I come at you in the name of the Lord. Every eye closed, I want you to raise your hands. Jesus, 
Search me right now, Lord. Try my mind. See if there be any wicked way in me. See if there be any evil in me. Any stronghold in me, God. Any way that the enemy has been allowed to operate in my life. To take strongholds in my mind. God, that would try to turn what is true into falsehood. That would try to turn what is right into into wrong that would try to turn righteousness to unrighteousness i take authority right now in jesus name over every unclean spirit that would try to operate in the mind of a child of god i speak covering over it right now in jesus name i say be loose today in jesus name This altar's open. I'm going to ask you to just yield yourself to the Lord in prayer. Come on, I believe the Lord's not done. He's going to do some awesome things. He's going to continue to work. He's going to set us free. He's going to use us to war. He's going to use us to accomplish His will and His purpose. But I need you to just focus on the Lord. Let the Lord have control of your mind. Come on, submit yourself to the Lord. This is what the scripture means when it says, in all your ways acknowledge him. God, I give my mind to you right now. God, I'm not trying to hold on to anything. God, any concept, any precept, I'm not trying to hold on to it, Lord. I'm giving it all to you because I know that you would try me, Lord. I know that you would test me and prove me, God, and that I would come out pure. God, that I would come out holy. God, that I would come out a saint of God. Jesus, I pray it right now. Your covering over my mind, Lord Jesus. The covering of Your Spirit over my mind, over my family and my home, Lord Jesus. God in Your name. God in Your name. Come on, somebody pray. Come on. Talk to the Lord. Reach out to the Lord. Speak out to the Lord. Come on, let the Lord use you. Let the Lord fight your battle. Let, your, let the Lord fight your battle. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Give it over to the Lord. Give it over to the Lord. Jesus, I give you control. Jesus, I give you control today. Love and joy in heaven too. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Holy Jesus can satisfy your soul. For only He can take your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, love and joy in heaven too. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only He can take your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew. Love and joy and heaven too. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Holy Jesus can satisfy your soul. For only He can take your heart and make you whole. He'll find you peace you never knew. Sweet love and joy 
and heaven too. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Holy He can take your heart and make you whole. He'll find you peace you never knew. Love and joy and heaven too. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Holy Jesus can satisfy your soul. Holy He can take your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew. Love and joy and heaven too. Holy Jesus can satisfy your soul. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name oh jesus 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 there's something about that name he's my master he's my savior jesus like a fragrance after the rain and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name Jesus, Jesus. I wonder if we could all try to sing this together Jesus, there's something about that name. He's my master, Savior, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, it's the sweetest name. Hallelujah. It's the sweetest name. Hallelujah. Oh, I lay hold on it today, Jesus. I lay hold on it today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Hart, I'm going to ask if you would come and close. Amen. Can we just, can we close our eyes for a moment? I feel uh, the Lord is, it's not quite finished yet. If you need to go, you, you can feel free to slip out. We're not going to take a long time. But there's a sweet presence of the Lord here right now. Come on, lift your hands in the name of Jesus. If, you, if it helps you, just close your eyes. Hallelujah. 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 God, we want to just reach out. We want to touch the hem of your garment today. I'm not satisfied, Jesus, just to come and have another ordinary service. We thank you for the ministry of your word. It's speaking directly to us. And we want to respond accordingly in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 There's nothing too hard for you, God. There's nothing too hard for you. There's nothing outside of your reach. There's nothing outside of your vision. There's nothing that you're not aware of, Jesus, that you're not able to interfere in. I pray in the name of Jesus that every care would be cast on you, that every situation, Father, would be placed in your hands. We submit every need to you this morning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you know the end from the beginning. You are the author, you are the finisher of our faith. God, so we put it all in your control. We put it all in your hands, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the moving, the touch of your spirit. Thank you for the unction and the anointing, the flow of your spirit today. Come on, we have to be able to be, be comfortable with the uncomfortable. We have to get past the ordinary and know that God is done doing things the way that they've always been done. God is done being put inside of a box of our normal tradition. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, I want you to have your way. I want to contain you within the four walls of a service, in the four walls, Jesus, of the 11 to 12. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, I take authority of every contrary spirit that would come against the minds of your people. I take authority in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I speak to the spirit of fear today and I command it to go. Every spirit of infirmity, God, we command it to go. In the name of Jesus, every spirit of intimidation, Jesus, we walk in your spirit of boldness. We walk in your spirit of authority. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Well, if you're done praying for yourself, I wonder if we can stretch our hands towards brother and sister Beto. 
and his wife, Adriana, can we lift our hands and pray for them this morning? The enemy would try to come against them and their family. In the name of Jesus, we join together right now. In the name of Jesus, Sila Maha, Yela Mahataha, Ilolo Bosata, Yerebekiana Maha, Ni Eremeni Ala Masata, Yerebekitolo Boko. What the enemy would 